0: Another exciting episode of uh, just having a conversation. Uh, local basketball writer David Yapkowitz joins me tonight, and really interesting dude. I think you you guys will really enjoy this conversation with him. David, first of all, welcome. And, Thanks for having uh, me. No problem at all, man. I would you know it's like I want to expose people who maybe everybody hasn't heard a hundred times. I noticed the one thing about the podcast is. You get a lot of the same guests, and there are a lot of cool voices, particularly in the Los Angeles market that I don't think get the exposure they really need to get. And, uh, well, we'll we'll jump right into it, because you and I know each other. I think we met, it was six years ago. We did a game together. Yeah, for City TV 16, Santa Monica College. I want to say it was against West LA. I could be wrong. It was a men's, women's doubleheader. Um, And then... You know, lo and behold, they they tell you in this business that you'll just bump into people as you go through. Probably two or three years later, I'm sitting in the Matadome at Press Row, and <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, I don't know, but you might have cut your hair by now. Dave stands out. You know, you're you're not he's not a guy you're gonna miss very easily. I, I so, still got the hair. Okay, so I'm like, I think I know that guy. I don't want to insult that guy, but how many guys, you know, with the Anthony Catus hair? are covering basketball, so obviously you were who you were. We rapped a little bit, and then, as, as happens a lot, I started following you on Twitter, and, dude, you're all over the place. I mean, you're covering <laughs> high school ball. You're covering college ball. You're covering um, women's basketball, both college and pro, covering the WNBA. Uh, I wanted to start out, though. One of the things I think is really interesting about you and really, I think, brings something unique to your perspective on the game and just life in general la native so we already touched on smc and csun give me a little bit about your background where'd you go to high school
1: um i actually went to high school um in santa monica i went to santa monica high school okay um but you know i originally i'm from you know my family moved out here um, but i'm originally from la you know from the city Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I kind of got into basketball just because um, my dad, he was the uh, head girls varsity basketball coach at Manual Arts High School. Um, you know, for anyone that doesn't know where that is, it's, you know, just kind of south of um, the Coliseum, you know, where USC plays football. Um And so, you know, I remember going to his games as a kid. He used to take me to practices and, you know, he was actually coaching girls basketball here in L.A. at a time when um, players like Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson were still kids and playing in high school. So, you know, he actually coached against them when they were in high school. So, you know, when everybody always asked me, you know, how how did you get into basketball? What was your start in basketball? It was actually girls basketball. You know, that's that's kind of how I got my start. That's how I fell in love with the game. You know, I I literally grew up watching, you know, Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson as they were in high school and as they went on to college. So, you know, that was that was my start, you know, so it was girls and women's basketball that really got me into the game. And
0: you've been covering basketball now close to a I mean, close to a decade now, right here in in the city of L.A.? Um, Maybe
1: a little less, I'd say. Oh, although. No, no, you're you're kind of right because uh, going back to because I covered my first uh, the first any basketball coverage that I did was back at Santa Monica College around I want to say 2012 or so you know covering okay. the SMC teams so yeah it's actually been a little while now
0: man so you covered a lot of different levels of high school um, all right let's jump in on the first. Topic here with regard to CIF. So there have been a number of things tweeted out about high school basketball, not basketball specifically, but CIF athletics in uh, specifically. And supposedly the CIF is going to make a decision on July 20th. Now, David, I'm an optimist. Okay, I, I really want there to be sports in the fall at both the college and high school level. But at this point, with what's going on in this state and in other states. I don't see how they'll be able to make the decision by July 20th, which makes things very difficult in the sense that, you know, there are all these logistical decisions that need to be made at the scholastic level involving high schools and whatnot. And none of those decisions is going to be able to be made. And now all of a sudden you're pushing that, you're pushing those deadlines a little bit. What are your thoughts on the resumption of athletics at the high school level?
1: Oh, no. Yeah. You know, as you said, I'm I'm similar to to how you feel. You know, I'm I'm an optimist. You know, I'd I'd really love for there to be high school sports uh, beginning in the fall. But you know, just looking at at where we are today, you know, in the 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 rising case numbers here, particularly in L.A. County, I just yeah, I'm I'm not seeing how you know July 20th if they'd be able to give us something concrete as to you know will we, will we see the resumption of high school sports in the fall? And, you know, it's in, in terms of basketball in particular, you know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate because a lot of kids, you know, this, this normally this time of year, this is when you have, you know, some of these showcases, you know, these grassroots events where, um, you got college coaches coming down and a, a lot of them tend to pick up, um, offers around this time. And, you know, with, that's one of the things that's, been on hold is that you know they haven't had that opportunity really to get in the gym you know showcase themselves for for college coaches um and it's it's just real unfortunate but you know that's that's where we are in in the world right now and you know i think i'm i'm of the belief that Safety first, you know, and I, I definitely wouldn't want, you know, any of these kids, you know, putting themselves at risk health wise or anything like that. You know, I, I I would I trust, I guess, you know, the CIF that they make the proper decision in terms of, you know, putting the safety of and health of these kids first. Um, but no, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you in that. I am i don't know. I think we have to see, you know, how these next few weeks transpire in terms of um case numbers and hospitalizations things like that and and I, I don't know if we'll get a real concrete answer from them you know in a couple weeks as to what high school sports will look like um you know there's there's one thing that's been floating around i've seen on twitter um, about perhaps, you know, even when it comes to high school football, starting the season sometime in January of 2021, rather than the fall, you know, and pushing fall sports back, you know, and how, how that would affect, you know, winter sports like basketball, you know, I'm not sure it, it definitely would. But, you know, that's one thing that I kind of saw floating around out there. and You know, I'm not saying that's concrete or anything or that it that it has any legs to it but you know i saw that floating around so i mean it's it's i think it's really like a wait and see approach you know we have to kind of see where where these next few weeks these next few weeks are going to be really critical you know so we just got to wait and see you know what what things look like before you know we get any real concrete answers as to the future of high school sports this this coming fall
0: the thought that i had david was i was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's a school teacher and not in the la unified but in a different school district and, and and they were telling me that in their district they don't even know how many kids are going to enroll because wow. he's he's not in a you know he's not in an advantage socioeconomically advantaged area, yeah. so he's dealing with a lot of kids maybe who didn't have access to the internet or a computer to keep up with the, the 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 remote you know the remote classroom situation you know so you had kids who between the March and and the end of May or the beginning of June they were maybe in class you know 2 or 3 days a week tops because of their lack of access to the materials they needed and obviously the school districts did what they could to get these kids access right. but you know libraries closing and a lot of areas you can't gather a number of people together it made things difficult and he was telling me that you know it, it was it was a number around 10 or 15% of the enrollment was in doubt if they were even going to come back in the fall and and i never thought about it in that context and i'm like with what we're dealing with right now when you're starting school again there are all these logistic aspects that you need to take into account that i I couldn't even think of i'm not an educator i don't know how these things work before you can even think about putting a team out on the field you got to make sure that the classes are intact and the kids are on the track to finish the curriculum they need to finish. And I hadn't even thought about that, how that would affect sports. I mean, if you're talking about an area public school, one of three schools in a district that's losing 10 to 15 percent of their population that they're kind of AWOL, unaccounted for right now, that would seem to me it should take priority of where they're going to field a football team or a basketball team.
1: Oh, yeah, no question. You know, I think that but before we we even talk about, you know, if, if sports, we're going to play sports, you know, in the fall, um, there's definitely, I think, more important aspects, you know, to to schools that that have to get ironed out and have to get taken care of. Yeah. Before we even think about, you know, OK, you know, are we actually going to play football? Are we going to play basketball? So um, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I know, you know, we're we're Americans. We love sports, but it's it's one of those things where I think. We got to sports can can take a little bit of a backseat for a little while.
0: I, mean, I don't want to get too deep with you, David, but have has this pandemic, I mean, your family situation, I'm hoping you're doing OK. Has this whole thing affected the manner in which you have to interact with your family? We already talked about work a little bit. How about on a personal level? How are you dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic?
1: You know, I've been I've been doing all right Um just limiting, you know, my contact with with the outside world and stuff. You know, I actually still my day job. I, I work on campus at Csun at the uh, bookstore there. So, um, you know, I actually went back to work uh, at the beginning of May. Um, so I mean, that's been other but before that, um, you know, I was staying home as much as possible. You know, I do have uh, a couple of high-risk uh, family members that um, you know, have been inside and whatnot and you know being in contact with them um but you know other than that you know i've i've managed to stay okay for the most part you know and we have certain protocols now that we've enacted at at work on campus you know to maintain social distancing guidelines as well as um you know to to make sure that that we're properly suited you know to to begin with in-store shopping again, things like that. You know, we still, we've still still been kind of slow. I mean, it's dur- ordinarily during this time of year, during the summertime, um, especially right before Fourth of July, we were always kind of slow um, on campus. But, you know, it's still been, this year in, in particular, it's just really slowed down a bit. So we actually haven't had, you know, any rush of people or anything like that. So it's almost like, you know, I'm going to work, but we're still kind of, distanced a little bit like we we still don't have much contact with with the outside with with public and stuff like that but you know otherwise um yeah you know I've just been doing my best to to keep myself um as like I said you know just with as little contact as possible with with kind of the outside world I mean obviously yeah you know I'm, I'm gonna go out I get a little exercise outside get a little sunlight but you know other than that you know going to and from work that's pretty much been it
0: uh you're part of this kind of new wave of writers where your first experience david was with electronic media and the various websites that cover sports and i think it's been great um, for guys like yourself coming out and being able to access that and get exposure i'm interested in what you thought about the recent revelation a couple days ago, the the the, uh, the black sports online, um, kind of the larger topic of uh, these companies basically saying, hey, Dave, Dave, Yapp, it's come right for me, I won't pay you, but I'll get you exposure. And meanwhile, a lot of these sites are generating pretty decent profits off, you know, basically kind of aggregating content and you know whether whether it be through advertising or different methods getting money take me through your experience when you when you hit the ground running got into this got into the business did you have to do a lot of work for free how did you feel about it and how do you feel
1: you able to navigate that that minefield so to speak um you know i actually was a little bit um uh better off i guess so to speak in that you know when i first started getting into this business, um, you know, not just, you know, for school, but in terms of an actual career, um, I actually got paid right away, you know, like my first uh, paying gig, um, actually, while I was still at CSUN before I graduated, um, was with uh, the Mars reel, which is, um, for those of you that don't know, it's a, a pretty popular basketball highlight company. So they film, you um, high school basketball across the country, um, put together highlight reels and put them out on social media. Um, And they've kind of grown over the past couple of years. You know, I think um, both at this point, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are both investors in the company. Um, But, you know, when I first started out with them, um, they were they had already. Had, they had a pretty big following, um, but they were actually branching out a little bit. That they wanted to go from only doing highlight reels to actually having, you know, a highlight reel, but we also have a written story to go along with it um and so that's how they approached me that i guess you know they had found me on social media and they had a representative reach out to me and ask if i would be interested in covering um high school basketball in the la area for them that you know they'd have a video guy there camera guys and they'd be filming highlights and stuff and then once they put together the highlight package i'd have a written story to go along with that um so and and they had offered to pay me um and you know i i was familiar with the company. So I definitely, you know, was interested and I, I took that opportunity. Um, but you know, there's one thing that's always stuck with me that my professor, uh, professor I had back at Santa Monica college told me, um, he used to tell us in class all the time, you know, he was our journalism instructor, um, and the head of the, uh, Corsair newspaper there. Um, he used to tell us that if it's, if your work is good enough to be published, then it's good enough to be paid, um, and so that's that's kind of like the motto that I've stuck with, you know, ever since I left SMC. Um, and because I have had um, people reach out to me from various online publications that have gauged my interest in writing for them, you know, and one of the main things I've always asked is, um, you know, is it paid? Because you know I am looking for a paid opportunity. Um, And, you know, they've told me, no, unfortunately, we can't pay you at this time. Um, But it's you basically get paid through your exposure, you know, and I've had to turn them down because, you know, I'm just not in a place financially where I can afford to do this for free. You know, I don't get me wrong. You know, I love doing this and I I would love to do it for free if I could. But, you know, I just can't. And. You know, it's this is a discussion I've had with with numerous people, and one of the things you know that that I see that you know why I think a lot of this keeps happening, while why you see a lot of these publications, you know, essentially, you know, going ahead and and you know, I want to say, kind of taking advantage of their of of the writers and and you know, churning content out there without paying them at all. Um, for every person you know like me, so to speak, that says, "Hey, you know thanks for the opportunity, but you know unfortunately, I can't do this for free. Um, you do have people out there um, you know that that will that are able to do that, you know, that come from financially more financially stable backgrounds that that are able to do this for free, you know, for however many years, They can, you know, until maybe they can secure a paying gig somewhere and, you know, not to get off topic a little bit, but it's just it's kind of connected to uh, everything we see going on in the country right now in terms of, you know, social reform and systemic issues in that, you know, I I never grew up, you know, in term well off in terms of money, you know, financially. Yeah, you know, my family and I were kind of stable, but we were never, you know, rich or anything like that. Um, we never had a lot of money and, you know, I'm in now as, you know, I have my own daughter and whatnot, you know, in my own life, um, I'm, you know, like I said, you know, it's, it's a similar situation and where I can't, I just can't afford to do it for, for free. And I think, you know, a lot of people in terms of, you know, that come from the same background as I do, you know, we just we don't have that ability. We don't, we can't afford, you know, to, to basically to work for free like that and, and to um, not be paid for our work. And, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, it's, it just goes um, hand in hand with, with what we're seeing in, in the country today in terms of, you know, these systemic issues and these, this disparity in terms of, you know, your, your financial and, and home situation.
0: Yeah what's interesting what you bring up is that i knew a lot of people who were some of these big brands that we know now when they started that did an awful lot of work for 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 some of these brands and maybe by the end of their tenure there they would get paid a little bit of money and then once the vcs kind of rolled in all the money kind of trickled up to the top and they were kind of left with an option of hey do you still want to come stay with us or do you want to go you know do you want to leave um and there but there was no offer there was you know there was no offer of any kind of financial remuneration and it was like well if if the basically you know the the old the old adage if it gets clicks you'll you know you'll get some you get some uh you get some cake with the clicks uh and, and that kind of was the model but but, but until about 10 years ago and then it changed a little bit yeah but it is interesting i find interesting your perspective i i was told um when i was kind of starting out it was when i was starting out in the film business i was told hey listen because I'd worked in business. I, didn't, I had a job working in real estate and whatnot. And I was told, I said, hey, they, they, one of my professors at UCL, I said, listen, if you're comfortable talking about money with people, that is a huge advantage to you. Because if, even if you're kind of an entry level guy walking in and you're comfortable talking to an executive about your compensation, that really puts you in an advantage because most people aren't, you know, they're not used to people who are able to confidently. Uh, discuss that, and I, it seems like that's what you were able to do. Um, you know, I just went through a, ne- a negotiation on a different project the other day, and I kind of still use those principles that I learned then, and, and they work very well with, uh, you know, with people. You know, and it's exactly like you said. If it's able to be published, if it's worthy to be published, it's probably worthy that you should be compensated for it. And I I only bought it up because I was reading about, I don't know if you read the Robert Latau BSO kind of drama that's going on on Twitter. Yeah, I've been following along with that. And I, I wasn't that as familiar with the brand as I thought because I didn't realize they had built their brand similar to some of the other brands that I knew through basically aggregating material from unpaid writers. I had no clue that was happening. And then obviously the other stuff that's going on, Me speaks for itself. But, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate because I did think that site at times put out some very good content. It's unfortunate that, that that's the way they, were, they, they went around about doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. and. You know, um, kind of the way the way I kind of went about things too is that um, like some of the the gigs, because I actually I, I write for multiple outlets, yeah. Um, and that's how you know I I cover the wide range of basketball that I do is you know I basically freelance for a couple different sites. Um, and you know, one of the things how, how I went about it was, you know, I would take a look at some of the sites out there, some of the outlets, you know, see which ones, you know, were gaining a lot of traction, things like that. And I just kind of put myself out there, you know, I reached out to a few of these publications and, um, I gave them, you know, samples of my work and said, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, this is what I do, um, this is what I'm interested in doing, you know, would you possibly have a room for for another contributor? Um, and some, you know, I didn't hear back from, some I did hear back from, you know, and and I'm still working with them today. And um, so, I mean, that's that's one thing I would suggest too, you know, to anybody um, out there looking to get into this business, um, whether whether it's sports or, you know, anything, you know, that has to do with media and um, online publications and stuff out there is um, sometimes, you know, some of these places, for whatever reason, they don't advertise you know that they're looking for help at all um and you can take it upon yourself you know if you've got some kind of a portfolio you've got you know some kind of clips that you can put together even if it's something small you know like clips that you did for your local school newspaper in college you know They sometimes people take a look at that and um, I would go ahead and, you know, just kind of put yourself out there um, and you go ahead and initiate that and, you know, reach out to some of these publications. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen is, you know, they say, hey, you know, we're actually not looking for for uh, any contributors right now. And, you know, maybe you're you're not any worse off than you were before. But, you know, there there is the opportunity that they may say, hey, you know, yeah, we we are interested in working with you, you know, let let's talk, let's set something up. And so that's that's kind of how I secured some of the gigs that I have right now is simply by just reaching out to them, you know, and asking if they had any room for a contributor.
0: It seems like you didn't have a lot of trouble finding work, David. Were you, you were you able to hit the ground
1: running pretty rapidly after you got out of SMC and out of Cisa? Um a little bit, yeah. Um, because, uh, one of the, like, you know, I was talking about earlier, you know, the first, uh, one of the first paying gigs I had was through the Mars reel. Um, but I actually had, um, while I was still at CSUN, I had applied for a couple internships. Um, I applied for one with the LA times. I applied for one with, uh, NBC universal. Um, and I think there were a couple others I applied for I can't really think of what they were right now, but you know, it, w- it was a few, I want to say maybe like, you know, Uh, Five, six of them or so. Um, And I got turned down from each of them, you know, and a couple I didn't even hear back from. Um, But there was actually one internship that went out um, and it was for uh, Basketball Insiders, you know, which is uh, become a pretty popular uh, online media outlet in terms of um, covering, you know, the NBA, And they put out uh, an internship um, opportunity while I was still in college, and um, I, of course, you know, I once I saw they put that out there, immediately I applied for that because I was like, yeah, hey, you know, this is definitely something I'm interested in, you know, writing about the NBA. And um, they, I actually got it. That was the the one internship that I actually got, and it came down to me and six other guys, um, and they were only hiring; they were going to bring on three interns and me and two other guys made the cut and you know i i forever grateful i mean i'm still working with basketball insiders to this day you know they went ahead and and kept me on as a staff writer you know after i my internship was up and So I I definitely consider myself really fortunate because I had that offered that gig, you know, right out of college, you know, even while, like I said, while I was still at CSUN, I was doing that. So basically, you know, my I got my feet wet, you know, covering the NBA right away is that's that's how I started out, you know, going to Clippers and Laker games, getting credentialed for those. And so I, I, I honestly I do consider myself fortunate to be able to have secured that, you know, while I was still at CSUN.
0: Um, All right. I want to transition to sports at some point. But last thing for you, obviously, with a lot of the events that have been going on in the country over the last month, month and a half or so, you are a sports writer and you cover sports. But you're also not a guy that's going to be blind to what's going on around you with regard to recently. Obviously, it's the social justice stuff. It's a little bit of the politics stuff. And you have a very unique background. Um, You know, people are going to tune in. Oh, Davey Apgoitz. Now, let me tell you. The guys who were named Davey Apkiewicz when I was growing up and I met, you know, in Tenafly, who were friends with my buddy Alan Kamenetsky and went to the free school, which incidentally Jared Kushner also is a graduate of that school, don't look like you. You know, that's not a negative or a bad thing, but yeah. you have a different, I believe, and you, I think you, you're proud of it and you take it upon yourself. You have a different role than maybe some other guys in this business. And maybe we can discuss that a little bit if you don't mind.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, like, you know, when I was a kid, uh, most of my family, um, they all lived in the South Central area. Um, and me personally, you know, my family, we lived in the mid-city area of Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, growing up, I just saw, you know, the, the demographics of our neighborhood kind of changed. You know, when I was little, um, we were pretty much the only one of the only non-Black families in the neighborhood. And looking at it now, you know, it's it's just completely changed. And, um, you know, like I said, too, you know, I spent most of my childhood there between, uh, mid city and South central. Um, and that's where all my family was. That's where I grew up. And, um, now, now that, you know, I'm in this business, um, covering, you know, basketball and stuff. I, it's just, it's really connected. Um, because, um, when I was, when I was young, you know, like I mentioned before, when my dad was coaching at manual arts, um, those were the places to be. Like in our neighborhood, you know, if you wanted to play college basketball, you know, you wanted to get a Division One scholarship, you went to Crenshaw, you went to Manual Arts. You know, mm-hmm. those were the schools you played basketball at, you know, um, with CIF, you know, L.A. City section dominated L.A. County, you know, when it came to basketball. And that all started to change. Um, and when all that started to change was after 1992, um, and I think you know we all know what happened in 92 um, here in LA and that's when you started seeing a shift. Um, that's when you started seeing kids you know not staying at their neighborhood schools. Um, you saw them going out to schools maybe in the in San Fernando Valley in Orange County in the Inland Empire, families moving out of those neighborhoods um, and, and kids not going to the neighborhood schools there. And you really saw a shift in, in the basketball scene in LA. Um, nowadays, you know, if you ask anybody, oh yeah, you know, who's some of the top, uh, high school basketball teams in LA, you know, you'll have people talk about, you know, Sierra Canyon. Um, you have Winward. you have schools out in, in the Inland Empire, you know, like, uh, Rancho Christian, you know, um, but nobody's gonna mention, you know, oh yeah, Crenshaw, oh Manual Arts, oh Fremont, um, because that's that that shift started to happen, um, and you don't you don't really see media or college coaches coming down to uh, these our our neighborhood schools anymore. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with another writer, I want to say back in January or so where he was, he had mentioned that he was actually talking to, uh, an assistant coach on a PAC 12 team, um, and for basketball, and that he was mentioning a, a couple of kids that played at L.A. City schools that, hey, you know, maybe maybe you you should take a look at these kids. You know, maybe your your coaching staff should take a look at some of these kids here. And he had told me that the assistant coach mentioned to him, oh, you know, everyone knows no good kids come out of L.A. City section anymore. Um, that's not where the the talent is anymore. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've done and that I've tried to do with my platform is I've gone back, you know, to the old neighborhood and I've gone back to some of these schools and, I've started to cover, um, their, their basketball teams. Um, you know, one of the outlets that I currently work for prep hoops, their motto is, you know, no, no player or no school is, is too small, um, to cover, you know, they, uh, their, their goal is to get out there and cover as many kids as possible, um, at any level, you know, cause there are some, some outlets that cover high school basketball and all they're interested in is division one prospects, right? You know, that that's all they, they want to cover is, you know, kids, that are for sure division one prospects Um, with prep hoops you know they they say yeah if if, it doesn't matter if a kid is d1 d2 d3 you know they're junior college prospects hey we we want to get out there and we want to give these kids coverage too and so you know that's one of the things that i've done and one of the things that i've tried to do in the past year or so is go back to you know the neighborhoods that i grew up in go back to the neighborhoods that i spent time in and give coverage to these kids, you know, that, and and there's still, there's still a few talented, there's still some talented kids out there, um, you know, and in talking with a couple of them, you know, they've, they've mentioned that, yeah, hey, they're starting to get a little bit of attention from, from college coaches, you know, at various levels, because, you know, we, we still have talent there, you know, we may not have the, the big media coverage, you know, as we used to, and, you know, and like a lot of times at some of these games, you know, like I was at a few Crenshaw games this year and I'm the only media there. You know, there's there's nobody else there at all, you know, covering them. And and both the Crenshaw boys and girls programs are seeing a resurgence, you know, in in their programs. They they both had pretty good years this year. And um, so, you know, that's that's one of the things that, you know, being a Los Angeles native, you know, being right in the middle of all that this is one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to do in terms of my use my platform as a sports writer to to give back to the community and and to to help these kids, you know, get that exposure that that they deserve, quite frankly, you know, that there's there's a lot of talented kids out there that that are kind of falling through the cracks because, you know, nobody's paying attention to them, you know, through no fault of their own, you know, they're they're they, they can play. And so that's, that's what I hope to do. You know, that's what I'm trying to do is I want to give them that coverage. You know, I want to write about them. I'll cover their games, you know, I'll, I'll write profile pieces about them and in hopes that, you know, I'm, I'm just one person, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to build up my following on social media. You know, I mean, I, I do have college coaches at various levels you know that follow my twitter account and so that's that's what i'm hoping to do you know as i'm hoping to put that coverage out there and and hopefully get some of these coaches like i said at, at any level you know college division one two three junior college naia you know any of that is a success you know and um so that's 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 what I'm trying to do, you know, is I'm, I'm just trying to use my platform as a sports writer, use my platform covering basketball to hopefully get some of these kids, you know, that that college basketball opportunity that, you know, kids in other areas of L.A. County get. It's it's interesting you
0: bring that up, David, because I had a bit of a conundrum, you know, the hype a couple of years ago with the athletic, you know the athletic is going to do all this great stuff and they're going to cover, you know, each area. They're going to give it a lot of coverage and they, they pay out a lot of money for a lot of good writers and, you know, nothing against the athletic is doing, but you know, I thought about it. You know what I did is I went and instead of doing the athletic thing, I went and I subscribed to the orange County register, long beach press enterprise, the, you know, the, the, um, sorry, the riverside press enterprise, the long beach, long beach press telegram, you know, and, 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 Paid for that content because, as you know, in the past decade or so, the local coverage has been devastated oh, in all definitely. those, in all those, you know, in all those outlets. And you know, we have—I'm sure you and I have mutual friends who've worked at Evan Barnes, a friend of mine, and he worked oh, for yeah. many years for a Daily breed, All those. So to me, that is kind of the the, the heart of, of of where coverage has fallen by the wayside. I can remember when I started doing high school football in Riverside in 2012, there'd be no less than a dozen reporters covering high school football games. You know, now they have maybe two on, on a on a good day, you know, it, not counting freelancers, you know. So if they have their two co- games covered, if there's a third big game, they'll get a freelancer to go cover it, but they don't have the focus they used to on the games and part of it is they feel the internet's covering it but still to me the local paper is still big they just they didn't figure out a lot of the sports editors they didn't, either didn't figure out how to go about it or they did figure it out and their bosses kind of talked them down i talked to a couple of the friends of mine who were once editors and they were just telling me that you know it was something management didn't want to hear so it's a combination of those things because if the LA Times or the Long Beach Press Telegram had 8 or 10 writers covering high school basketball. I can't imagine how Crenshaw wouldn't get coverage, Dave. I can't imagine how a school like Englewood wouldn't get coverage.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I think, um, local papers, um, are, are definitely big, you know, and, and we, we should definitely support, you know, our, our local papers. And, and when I say local papers, you know, I'm not so much talking about like the LA Times or something like that. I'm talking about, you know, like a community newspaper, like Daily if, if you go into yeah. a small yeah. community, mm-hmm. um, chances are, you know, they've got their own little community newspaper with, yep. you know, uh, community readership that um, covers a lot of the local sports and stuff. And, um, you know, one one in particular that I I do want to mention is the L.A. Sentinel. Yes. That, um, you know, they, they actually have had some pretty good coverage in terms of, you know, Crenshaw sports, Dorsey sports, uh, LA high school sports, you know, Inglewood high school sports, you know, so I've been paying attention to some of the stuff they've been doing and, and they've been doing a pretty good job with that. So, yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with you in that, you know, it's, it's important to support, you know, some of these, these, the, your local journalism, you know, and your, your local, um, papers. Cause you know, like I said, you know, chances are in, in smaller, smaller communities that you've got, you know, your own, uh, local paper and circulation and, and they, they've been doing a pretty good job, you know, covering, uh, uh, the, the local scene there. Um, one thing I do want to mention, you know, it's funny, you mentioned the athletic in that, um, you know, again, not, not to go off topic a little bit, but, you know, I actually started working with, um, Uh, a group that, you know, we kind of put together a new venture um, called The Next Hoops, um, and which is kind of based on the athletics model. Um, So, you know, we're subscriber based, but our focus is 100 percent on women's basketball, you know, at at every level. So WNBA, college, um, high school, and, you know, even some overseas, um, because, you know, a a lot of uh, American players that, don't make it to the WNBA um, go on and end up having pretty solid careers overseas. Um, So we we cover women's basketball at every level. Um, You know, we just kind of launched our our site uh, a few weeks ago um, and we've been doing pretty well so far. But, you know, that's that's our focus. We're we're kind of we've taken on, you know, the model that the athletic has, has used. And, um, that's, that's what we're trying to build is we want to provide, you know, our readership, you know, with an outlet that gives you, that's a hundred percent, um, dedicated, you know, to giving you good women's basketball coverage.
0: Great transition, Dave, because you mentioned uh, women's basketball, you are an advocate of women's basketball. Uh, you cover it really, really well. Um, I'm curious, do you think women's basketball gets a short shrift among the sports media in general, both whether it be college or whether it be WNBA?
1: Um, definitely, I definitely think so, and I think you can also see that um, not just you know at the pro level, but it, it trickles down you know all the way to the high school level. Um, you know, one example I've you know I've told this to a lot of people is. Um, if let's say I want to cover a particular boys basketball team or a particular player, maybe in the LA area. Um, and I, cause I've done this before um, I can go to to Twitter, you know, and just type in that player's name and we'll get a lot of stuff popping up about, um, you know, this players, you know, everything about them and stuff like that. You know, and I can even hit Google at times and find things about this particular player. Um, and when I've tried to do the same thing, you know, maybe a, a girls basketball player, you know, high school player here um, it catches my attention or something like that. And, you know, I've gone to the same thing, you know, Twitter, Google, and I've hit kick keyed the name in, you know, trying to find out a little bit more, do my research about this particular player. And I can't really find anything at all. You know, it's just a stark difference, you know, that that and it, and it happens with regularity. And, um, it's just, you know, that's, I think kind of amplified at, at the national level though, when you see, you know, at pro sports, yeah, you got a little bit more people, I think that cover, you know, the WNBA, especially within recent years, but I'd still argue that it's, it's not, it's definitely not where it needs to be and it's not where it should be. Um, and one example that, you know, I, I use as well is within my own work in that, um, You know, I I, you hear this all the time from not just, you know, random people on Twitter, but, you know, you also hear this sometimes from prominent, you know, media companies and media members is that, oh, you know, uh, nobody wants to read about women's basketball. You know, nobody cares to to read about women's basketball. And um, with my own work, you know, I've just something that I've noticed within the past year or so is that um, I share all my work on my Twitter account. Um, so all any stories that I do, I just go ahead and, and tweet it out on Twitter. Um, what I've noticed is that, and and maybe you know that kind of speaks to the following that I've been able to build up, you know, on Twitter. But I've just noticed that when I put out a story about a women's basketball player, you know, and women's basketball stuff, a lot of that seems to get a lot of more a lot more traction and and a lot more, you know, readership and and likes and retweets than when I post stories, you know, about men's basketball. And again, you know, like I said, you know, that may be something, maybe nothing, you know, maybe that speaks to the following that I've built. But I just seem to see that i've seen that engagement that it seems that my my women's basketball stories tend to get a lot more attention than than a lot of the men's basketball stories that i put out so i mean just in general though I, i definitely argue that that the readership is there you know that that people do want you know to to read about that and to get that kind of coverage um and I, I definitely, you know, I'd agree with with everyone that says that, you know, at, at terms of the national level, um, coverage is improving um, when it comes to the WNBA. And when it comes to, you know, women's college basketball, um, I definitely see some inroads being made there um, and seeing some other outlets, you know, that maybe didn't quite cover, um, women's basketball as in, in the past, starting to allocate a little bit more resources towards the women's game. Um, but I, I definitely think it can be improved. You know, I definitely think, you know, one of the things that we've been saying is, you know, we, we got to cover women's basketball in a similar way that we cover men's basketball. Um, you know, that Whenever you know the Lakers or the Clippers, for example, have a, a free agent signing, you know, you can find, you know, a hundred plus uh pieces online you know analyzing breaking down that one move you know it could be you know just one a a simple player signed at the veterans minimum but you know who might not even have much of an impact on the season but you you can be sure that you will find hundreds of online pieces all breaking down that player bit by bit you know and what they can bring to this team um, and I think, you know, some of us have argued that we that's what we need to see with women's basketball is that, you know, when the L.A. Sparks sign a free agent, we've got to see those pieces out there. You know, we got to have that breakdown, that that analysis there. You know, when the Sparks make a trade, you know, we, we need to see that same analysis. We got to have those pieces out there breaking down that trade, you know, bit by bit. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that's that's one of the ways to go there. I'll
0: never forget, David, because because I, I agree with you, if the if the information is there, people will go to it. I have a, I have a close friend of mine, my old roommate, who's really not into sports, but his he was rooming with a guy some years ago when I was still covering women's hoops. He, he was an Oklahoma guy. He was a big, you know, like big Oklahoma fan of all sports. And that was the year Oklahoma played for the women in the women's final four. So I show up at their apartment and there he is. And he's just locked in. You know, and this guy is, you know, he's a boomer sooner, you know, he's for lack of better term, like a man's man, you know, a guy you wouldn't expect (laughs) to watch women's basketball. So I said something like, Hey, you know, nice job. You know, this this has been exciting tournament. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey, it's my school, man. I'm going to be here. You know? So, I mean, obviously he didn't care. You know, he's looking to support his school in a championship run and I just think I have found that if people know an, an event's coming up, they'll watch it. You know, I, 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 it, it, the, To me, it, it's weird. You mentioned the coverage for the players. With women's players going to the WNBA, because so many of them go through college, it's a li- to me it's almost easier than some of the, the guys who get drafted in the NBA who don't have the body you work with uh, to, to, to cover, you know, if you have, you have the top, I think 10 players, in the WNBA draft last year were all, I think for either we seniors, right? They all played four years of women's basketball. Yeah. And there's easy to access clips and to be able to watch and follow their careers as they come to the WNBA. And you know, I'm a little biased. I have friends who work in the league, so they kind of, kind of tell me how they go about what they do, but it is, it is interesting. And, and I will say one of my favorite aspects of your Twitter account is when you shoot down guys who think they could beat WNBA players
1: in <laughs> basketball. No, <I> think, <laughs> when did that, when yeah. did that start? When did you start doing that? You know, it's funny because, you know, one. I've I've been, come up with the idea, you know, one of the things that I've said, um, and this is my own personal opinion, you know, I, I don't have anything, you know, the only thing I'll tell you, you know, what I use to back it up, but, you know, I personally feel and I, I've mentioned this on my Twitter account multiple times is that the WNBA is perhaps the hardest pro sports league to break into. There are only 12 teams um, and their teams are only allowed a maximum of 12 roster spots. So that's one hundred and forty four players, you know, any given year and. Um, and some teams, you know, for whatever reason, you know, salary cap implications, you know, and and stuff like that, may not always carry the full twelve players. Maybe they're only going to carry eleven. And so it's just it's become it's incredibly difficult, you know, for for players to make it to the WNBA. Um, you have players that were absolute superstars in college, you know, and 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 if if they were you know, they they that that end up not making teams, you know, that that are absolutely I mean, I know that you're you're familiar with Morgan Bursch, you yeah. know, from UC Davis, um, you know, who absolutely dominated the Big West, you know, her senior year. And she was um, actually drafted by the Dallas Wings, but had absolutely no shot at making the roster. Um, And, you know, the, the big West is not that big of a conference, you know, and stuff, but there are other, you know, players throughout in, in, you know, power five conferences that have absolutely amazing college careers. And they just, you know, they don't make it to the WNBA because it's, it's that hard. It's become that difficult to make a roster. And, um, you know, that's what, and, and and seeing some of these players live in person, you know, like I have, um, you just sometimes you don't really understand how good they really are, you know, until you actually watch them in person and you see how talented and how good they really are. And it's 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 just, you know, amazing to me, I guess, you know, that you see. These guys, you know, on social media essentially saying, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I can beat a WNBA player one on one. I can beat a WNBA player one on one and no you wouldn't you really <laughs> would not you know just because you you score 5 points a game at LA fitness you know doesn't mean that you can stay on the court with a professional basketball player you know who's dedicated <laughs> their life to this um you know i i like to say that there are girls in high school you know that will make you look silly you know so just imagine you know a a, a professional You know, somebody who's trains every day for this, somebody who this is their life like you 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 wouldn't be able to last on on the court with them, and you know it's funny because a lot of w n b a players themselves have started responding you know to some of these people you know and have started to to make fun of them and whatnot and offer challenges, hey, okay, you know, come out and play me one on one then you know you think <laughs> you can beat me, play me one on one you know and and it's it's funny to see you know like i said it's 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 amazing to to think like because we we wouldn't sit here, you know, on our couch, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of these same people wouldn't sit here and say, yeah, I can beat that NBA player one-on-one. I can beat that NBA player one-on-one. Well, you know, it's 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 the same with the WNBA. You know, these are pros, you know, these are professionals that, that this is their life. This is what they train every day for. And and there's no, you, you yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to stay on the same court as them.
0: We're running out of time. And I did want to get to the Clippers with you, David. What do you think with the NBA season ostensibly about to start? The Clippers, obviously, uh, Kawhi Leonard in tow now, and what what kind of chances do you give
1: them going forth? Uh, you're a Clippers guy, right? Am I am I am I mistaken? Um, yeah, I cover the Clippers. You know, I cover both the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, the the first thing I want to say though is my own personal feeling. You know, this is this is my own gut feeling. This is yeah. this is my personal opinion. Is I just I'm not sure that I can be on board and agree. You know, with with the NBA going ahead and and restarting, especially with you know, um, not you know, not to mention you know the the um social reform issues that you know are at the forefront of our country right now yeah. but just the uh the the we we're still in a pandemic you know we're still in right. a global pandemic and right. and the cases in Florida have been rising astronomically and you know me personally I'm I'm at I I'm for the health and safety of the players before anything you know and my own person and and I understand that you know there are some very real financial implications um if the season was canceled in terms of you know scrapping the cba um and 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 i understand that but my own personal feeling is that it might not be the right thing to do. Um I hope I hope I'm proven wrong. You know, like I I I've, I've said this many times within the past, you know, couple of weeks, I hope I'm wrong, you know, and and I I do trust, you know, for the most part that, you know, the NBA is is doing everything they can to provide a safe, you know, playing environment for their players. You know, but and 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 I hope I'm wrong. You know, I would love nothing more than to be wrong, you know, and to to have basketball back again. Um, but, you know, aside from that, um, in terms of the Clippers, um, I think, you know, this last summer, uh, there, the moves they made, they, they made it very clear that their intention was to win a championship. You know, that was the goal and anything short of that would be considered a failure. And, and they've definitely put together a roster that can, can, compete for a championship, you know, they're, they're one of the top two, three teams in the league, you know, depending on who you talk to, um, you know, despite, you know, record wise, you know, what, what standings may say, some people may will tell you that they're the best team in the league, you know, and I think they've put together a really balanced roster, um, that, that works, you know, prior to this season, the group of guys that they had, I mean, the general consensus was, yeah, they've got a, a great supporting squad there. They just got to add that superstar, you know, that they all the other guys can fit around and then they'll be a contender. And not only did they bring one superstar in, they brought two, you know, in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, And with all the complimentary guys around them, you know, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Montrezl Harrell, um, Ivica Zubach, Landry Schmidt, uh, all those guys, you know, um, and even some of the recent pickups, you know, right before the season was put on halt, you know, Reggie Jackson, um, Marcus Morris, you know, these guys have fit in with the group there and they've just got a real balanced roster from top to bottom. You know, um, they, they can do everything. You know, they can score, you know, they, they can get you. They can get into a shootout with you. They'll get up and down the court and run. You know, they'll put up 100 plus points. Um, they'll lock you down, too you know, they've got great defensive players on that team, you know, they'll make sure that they hold you under 90 points, you know, so, and, and Doc Rivers, you know, he's, he's always been a favorite of mine. You know, I think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA and, um, you know, going into this, this restart, you know, if, if this does get underway, you know, um, and everything progresses along, you know, as it should, I really do believe that, this Clipper team, I mean, they they've got the chance to go where no Clipper team has gone before, and that that's to the finals. You know, this I really do believe this team has a legit chance at a championship. You know, and when when was the last, when did we ever think we'd say that about the Clippers?
0: I promise you this: if if the season does get going and they they do do a playoff, I will, will for sure we'll have this conversation again. And I appreciate you joining. Us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close out. I have this new thing to close out the podcast. I'm gonna ask you four questions, David. It's about your your habits. So I'm gonna ask you, what are you listening to? You listening to any music, any podcasts now? The pandemic, you got a little bit of extra downtime. I know you're busy writing. You're busy with your daughter. But when you're not busy with that, what are you listening to?
1: Um you know, there's a, a couple podcasts out there, you know, that have caught my attention. You know, one of them that I think's really good, it's um, Through the Ball is Life Network. Um, okay. Forgot quite, I'm not really sure what the name is. Uh, I forgot, but, um, it's put together by, um, a couple local guys, um, Ronnie Flores and Devin Oogland, um, that are, you know, walking encyclopedias of, of high school, um, LA high school, you know, Southern California high school hoops. And, you know, they've done a really good job with their, their podcast. They have various guests on, you know, they have players, they have coaches, um, they've had, you know, various guests and, and there, it's a great podcast, you know, to listen to if, if you're a real hoop head, you know, and you love, you love, you know, hoop history and, and local issues, you know, they tackle all kinds of different basketball issues and stuff like that. Um, another one that I'd recommend, you know, that I've, I've taken a liking to is, uh, the, um, again, I, I want to say, I, I can't quite recall the name of this one either. You know, I want to say it's like, um, up in smoke or something like that, but it's, mm-hmm. but it's done by, um, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, you know, okay. uh, most NBA fans are familiar with them, you know, and, and they've put, um, they have a lot of good guests on there and they've done a pretty good job, you know, building that up recently too. You know, in fact, they, they had a really good segment with Kobe, you know, right before he passed away, you know, and, and so they've, they've done, you know, former players and they've got, you know, their, their hands in media and stuff. So, you know, that's, that's a couple of things that, that I've been paying attention to, you know, in the podcast world. What are you reading these days, David? (laughs) But mostly, you know, I actually haven't had much time. I used to be a a huge and avid reader, you know, in terms of, you know, books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I guess nowadays, if you ask me what I'm reading, um, pretty much uh, stories online, you know, Uh basketball stories, you know, articles, things like that. You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, every day. So, and I, and I follow a whole bunch of good writers, you know, so, um, that, that's pretty much what I'm, I'm reading. You know, I, I read their work. What are you watching? You watching anything interesting? Uh, honestly, yeah. You know, um, on the uh the eleven sports network um I think that's the one that may show the the eSports or something like that you mm-hmm. know I actually i don't I don't pay attention to the eSports at all I'm not familiar with that but um just recently um they actually have basketball Eurobasket going on right now yes yeah, Oh wow I, I I can't get away from basketball you know they I was watching uh, last and you, night. And you probably know a, all the la semifinal. kids and
0: you probably know all the la kids playing in Europe so
1: Um, yeah, there, there's a few of them. Um, but the, the one I was watching recently, um, it was, uh, the two team, Basconia, I believe, and Valencia, a team in Spain. Um, and it, it's funny, you know, watching it, that there's absolutely nobody in the stands, no fans, nothing. You know, just the uh, the players, you know, the team staff, a couple family members sitting close to the rim and whatnot. But it's absolutely empty. And, you know, I was watching uh, just last night. Um, Jordan Lloyd, who spent last season with the Toronto Raptors, won a ring with them. Um, he's the star guy. On, on one of the teams and I uh, couldn't get off the bench in Toronto, but you know, he's a star guy in, in Spain right now. And he was going up against uh, Zoran Dragic, who's the, uh, oh, wow. the brother of Goran Dragic. who's currently with the Miami heat. And, you know, so yeah, you know, I, I, and I think tomorrow night is their final, you know, that that particular league they're in is their championship game. So, you know, that's that's kind of I've also been watching um, older games, you know, uh, on ESPN Classic, you know, some of the older footage of um, the 80s and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm a huge bass. I, I call myself I'm a basketball nerd, you know, so I, I can't get enough of that. So and, and of course, you know, just like everybody else back in April, you know, the last dance that that, that I was definitely into that.
0: And then the last thing, so, you know, now with the, the pandemic, you know, you, you can't really go out to eat anymore, but people are doing delivery or takeaway. I guess they opened the bars for a minute, and I was a week ago. I was out in West Hollywood, kind of between the Beverly Center and the Grove, and I was walking up and down on 3rd, and I saw all these people sitting in bars, nobody wearing a mask, nobody physical distancing, but that's a whole other story. Um, what are you eating these days, Dave? Have you had a nice takeout meal or pickup or... You have, are you are you a maven in the kitchen? I kind of rediscovered my kitchen over the pandemic, to be very honest with you.
1: No, oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's, you know, one of the most that's the, the biggest thing that, you know, my family and I have been doing is just, you know, limiting our our uh, um, takeout and stuff like that. And just, you know, stocking up when we can, you know, from things from from local grocery stores and just cooking at home. You know, that's that's the main thing we've been doing is is just taking advantage of that, making sure, you know, that we have our refrigerator is full and that, you know, we we cook as much as we can, Um, you know, every now and then. Yeah. Hey, you know, go out and grab something from a drive through or something like that, you know, maybe use uh, Uber Eats or something like that. But just, you know, trying to cut down as much because I mean, it does add up, you know, the more you eat out uh, in terms of money. And so that's, that's really what my family and I have been doing is just, um, using the kitchen, you know, and, and stocking up on things. And, and, you know, that's, that's how we've been making, how we've been getting by is just, you know, with, with our own, our own stuff here. You have a specialty, Dave, you have a, you have
0: a special go-to dish that you're, that you're, that's your specialty. Um,
1: no, I, I, I don't, not, not in part two, maybe if I had more time to think of it, I might come up with something, okay. but no, you know, I, I just try, I dabble here and there, you know, I'm, I'm still improving, you know, as, as a cook myself, you know, there's a couple things I can make here and there, but, you know, I, that's actually one of the things I do, you know, in my spare time is look up recipes and, and I see this here, see that there. And I say, Oh, you know, that looks like something I might want to try, you know, and I, I end up, saving it bookmarking it for future use so um you know yeah you know i dabble with a couple of things here and there but you know i'm i'm getting better
0: uh and then before we we sign off here i will leave it to you we'll do the uh the old uh, bryant gumbel of real sports give me some final thoughts before uh we we send you off here on anything we've talked about or maybe something we haven't talked about
1: that you feel needs to be addressed um, I guess, you know, one of the, the, the biggest thing that, that I want to get across right now is just, you know, be, be safe, you know, be safe, be healthy out there, you know, wear a mask. It's, it's, it's not that hard. It's, you know, it, it's, it'll help save lives. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things I want to get across is just be safe, be responsible, you know, um, you know, don't, that let's, let's not be reckless, you know, with, with anything out there. You know, I think here in California, for the most part, you know, up until now, we did a pretty good job at, at trying to contain this virus. So just, you know, despite what you may see out there, despite what anybody else may be doing, you know, you be safe, you know, you take the proper precautions, you know, and, and you make sure that you and, you know, family members around you, neighbors, friends are, are safe.
0: David, I really appreciate it, man. Great conversation. And I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to do this again. If the NBA and WNBA actually ever get started, I definitely want to have this conversation again. You can catch him on Twitter. It's Dave, D A V E underscore Yapkovitz, Y A P K O W I T Z. I'll make sure to include it in the description so you guys can follow him with ease. He is a fantastic basketball writer proud graduate of Sambo High, Santa Monica College, and CSUN. David, again, thank you so much.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks again for having me.